heretics like us. Shaping Genesis. On January the 1st, 2022, just going to break the rule for the first day. Hereafter, on the Sunday, you get six chapters of text, straight up, some summary comments, 30 to 60 minutes, promise. Then weekdays, one chapter, first, and then some comments, five to ten minutes each day. But here, on the 1st of January, Shaping Genesis. How are we going to read this thing? In the beginning. Here we go again. In the beginning. But it's not the beginning. Talmud says seven things were created before this, including Torah, the blueprint for creation. Before we begin, we receive a text. Torah scroll, then bound Bible, now digital files. Before we begin, we are already begun. Learning language in community and culture. This is not just academic, though the academy dissects the historical sources and traditions. This is not just bureaucratic and political, though authorities like King, not Saint James, promote a canon, a collection, the authorized version of your Bible. This is devotional, expressing and informing our human experience, finding a voice in the chorus that's older and wider and deeper and higher than we are ourselves. Let's not go down every rabbit hole. I can walk a hound dog for that experience of a dog walking me. You'll hear me reading Everett Fox, 2002 Shockin' Bible Translation of Genesis, starting tomorrow Sunday. What translation provided your earworms, the sound or diction you're expecting? If there's a difference between yours and mine, wonder what Hebrew and English lies behind those differences. You won't see me, but I'll be glancing at my new 2021 Koran Tanakh, the Torah, Navim, Ketuvim, laid out typographically like Torah scrolls and synagogues on pages that read from back to front. How does your Bible edition lay out helps, titles, notes? Our chapter divisions come in the 1200s Common Era. Our verses in the 1500s Common Era, the Torah, long before that, was laid out in weekly portions, parashat and aliot, or sadarim. So, is your Genesis broken down in 50 chapters, or in the 12 weekly portions? And is this just place markers, or does it shape the meaning that you get? We gotta start again somewhere, so, in the beginning. Generating a reading. Back when we used cassette tapes or CDs for these audio recordings, Genesis fit handily into four parts. Chapter 1 to 11, 12 to 25, 25 to 36, 37 to 50. One tape or CD for each one. 
we'd call them Adam and Noah, Abram and Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. Now the front end of the book, chapters 1 to 11, are most clearly myths. Primeval, antediluvian, the common origins of creation and humanity. Two creation stories seem familiar, as may Noah's flood and Babel. What additional myths do you hear when you're forced to slow down and hear it all? There's a repeated formula here. These are the Toledot of heaven and earth, chapter 2, verse 4, Adam, chapter 5, verse 1, Noah, chapter 6, verse 9, Shem, chapter 10, verse 1. And then the frequency of this phrase slows down. Terah, chapter 11, 27, launches the Abraham cycle of stories, Ishmael, 25, 12, then Isaac, 25, 19, then Esau, 36, 1, and Jacob, 37, 1. How does your Bible translate Toledot in each of those verses? Is it consistent, begetting, or generations, story, or these are the descendants of? The King James rendition, begat, led to my nickname for it all. Begatitudes. These are not just patrilineal genealogies unconcerned with modern genetics. These recitations include place names and proper nouns like preaching notes, reminding the reader of associated stories that we long since forgot. Our Genesis starts with an account of creation which is not Toledot, a separating first of order from chaos out of the deep, Tohu Babu. Medieval Christian traditions made that ex nihilo, creation out of nothing, but Talmud says seven things were created before, in the beginning. Then, the second creation story starts with Toledot. This other kind of generating origins, roots, or organizing principles, first are universal beginning, as creatures in creation, children of Adam and Noah, then our place as nations, peoples, tribes, clans, amongst others, more or less distantly related to us. Competing mythologies of blood and soil imagine enemies as inhuman, creatures of another god sprung from a different soil, an alien other. But Genesis, Toledot, start with the idea of fratricide, and civil strife among all our relations sprung from the same Toledot. Hearers of these Toledot are expected to identify in the first person we in the story. For centuries we knew which tribe was ours within the children of Israel. It was assumed that we heard it standing in one tribe. Even beyond any original persons in time or space, these shape the us and them take. Shem, Asians. Ham, Africans. Japheth, Mediterraneans. By illusion and association, from the perspective of Palestine, looking north and east and west and south, 
Ishmael of the desert Abraham and Hagar, the servant, ancestor of Arabs, since claimed by Islam, Isaac of Haran's Abraham and Sarah, father to less favored Edom, Esau, and blessed Jacob, Israel, Jacob of Isaac and Rebekah, father to twelve tribes through four mothers, two sisters, two servants, then Joseph, risen in Egypt, in tension with his redeemed brothers. One more bit before we give it up. J-E-D-P. Voices in a Chorus. Traditions claim that Moses wrote the five books of Torah, or scribed them as God dictated them to him, even the story of his own death. Enlightened modern skepticism doubts that, given the redundancies and the contradictions in the text. A documentary source hypothesis originates with the 19th century German Wellhausen. Variations are beloved amongst academics who fragment the text and add complex additional sources or revisions. Devotional, occasional readers find it helpful to imagine a chorus of voices analogous to the four-part musical SATB harmony that you know from a lot of traditional church music, soprano, altar, tenor, and bass. Sure, further distinctions can be drawn amongst choral voices, personality types, generalized, you know, those tenors. But we don't imagine one source, composer, or lyricist for each voice at one time and place. We use it as far as it works, and find our voice with an ear to our neighbors. The acronym in this case is J-E-D-P, each standing for a voice in this ancient chorus. J-texts, often called God Yahweh, spelled J-A-H-W-I-S-T in the German books that founded it, not just for the name of God, but the person-like character of God becomes recognizable from the second creation story. Remember when God can't find the humans in the garden and then is surprised by their choices? Lots of great stories with ancient parallels in other oral and written cultures are edited and woven into this voice. Imagine Jay expressing and informing the United Kingdom of Israel in the north and Judah south from the capital, Jerusalem, under David, then Solomon, with the first temple center telling the J story version of this is who we are and how we experienced God. Now the E texts often call God Elohim. Not just the label, but the way God works, according to this version, becomes recognizable as you get the hang of it, with lots of angels and dreams mediating between the human and the divine. Imagine E as a partisan spin doctor with some axes to grind in relation to the received wisdom of the court and the powers that be, like the prophets of the 8th century, the 700s in Israel, who objected to the way the northern tribes were being governor with governed with the rich getting richer and assimilating into a cosmopolitan globalization of culture. I can hear the voice of E as different from the voice of J, 
and both are common in Genesis. D texts are easiest to hear by reading Deuteronomy, the second law book, and hard to find in Genesis. Once you get the ear for it, you'll hear it over this year. Imagine rewriting history in a reflection back on bitter experience, hindsight's 2020, of the fall of Samaria to Assyria in the mid-late 700s, and then of the early 500 to deportation of Judah's elite to Babylon. Things looked so good in the J days. Then E warned us. So what went wrong? D will tell you. Rationalizing a punishment by God through other nations, but holding out a hope for a remnant's survival. These are counter melodies in the tune. The P decks, priestly decks, are best heard through the book of Leviticus, the codes of purity and sacrifice, perhaps least familiar, most disrespected in our generations, but reflecting a deep heritage from the Second Temple, built under the Persian and Greek and Roman empires to inform and express an identity translated into religious practices for scattered or diaspora communities. This is the ineffable, inscrutable God first creation story, so you hear P off the top on Monday, demanding obedience and practice from humans. I can hear my colleagues screaming for qualification or correction, so let me leave JEDP coming up 15 minutes of talking, so I'll probably stop entirely. Nobody's seen a document with any of these voices, but if you're Living in a community, you know about different voices, and who sounds like who. What to expect. What Bob's going to say next week. Sources shaping our reading. Any kid can tell you the scriptures are just primitive fictions. Dismiss them as interchangeable, knifely inferior to modern progress. Toying with them as entertaining fragments improved in the Marvel University. Too many pious religious folks resist our culture and demand literal readings of scripture as if God dictated Torah to Moses as a stenographer word for word in sacred Hebrew tied to historic events transcending any later context. We feel that tension, the chasm between the extreme binary polarizing talk like that we're not the first to feel it, to name it, and to try to navigate or bridge it. There have been voices in the chorus for 3,000 years. Here's some of them in reverse chronological order, digging back through history. I already told you, a couple of centuries ago, this Wellhausen documentary source hypothesis, and then... 500 years ago, Luther and Calvin asserting only scripture as the authority against the Pope. Back in the 11th century, the 1200s, Maimonides was writing in Arabic in North Africa. His host culture was Muslim. The sophisticates uh, had a way of thinking that was bigger and better and condescending to his the fourth century, the Common Era, the Talmud took its 
current shape of the Camara from the 500s, the Mishnah from before the Common Era. It's an older bridge between the oral Torah and the white fire surrounding the black fire of consonants on a page. Developed in Babylon and Palestine under successive host cultures and empires, we've been at this for a long time. Fifth century before the Common Era, Torah scrolls fixed the Hebrew text in the Second Temple period. It got translated into Greek, Septuagint, in Alexandria, and Aramaic Targum back in Palestine, still before the Common Era. If you go back further in the diaspora, after the exiles from Samaria and then Jerusalem, you go back ten centuries before the Common Era, you got the Kingdom of David, the Temple of Solomon. We're not going to solve or dismiss the tensions or the chasms among us. Navigating them starts with receiving and shaping the text in our own voices to express and inform our own experience. I know today that's way over ten minutes. Take it or leave it. The notes are at hereticslikeus.com each Sunday starting tomorrow. We hear six chapters for the week. Then a few summary comments. 30 to 60 minutes each weekday from now on. Hear the chapter for the day and then a few further comments. 5 to 10 minutes a day. In the beginning. But it's not the beginning. You've done this before. Why are you doing it this time? Word you have for our hearts, O oh God. Give us ears to hear.